the Grace Covenant. We're glad you're worshiping with our church family. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not sure you're aware of this, but roughly one-third of our weekly attenders are worshiping from their homes, online, from trips out of, uh, out of town, on vacations even. So let's give a round of applause to our online audience and thank them for being here as well. You can open your Bibles today to Daniel chapter 6. I have the high pleasure of communicating a story that many children have bookmarked, and we'll get to that soon, but I think it's important to note right off the bat that throughout this series, Daniel has really demonstrated incredible character both in public and in private. Daniel honored the Lord when people were around, like when his buddies chose not to bow. And today we're going to see him seeking the face of God multiple times a day alone in his room. Wouldn't you say that it's generally harder to play by God's rules when you're playing alone? That's tougher, right? It's easy to behave when all eyes are on you. It's a little harder to obey the Lord when you're away on business. It's a little harder to play by God's rules when you're a student on spring break. It's a little harder to play by God's rules when you choose to communicate exclusively and privately with someone other than your spouse. It's harder to play by God's rules when you have high control in corporate finance. It's harder to play by God's rules in the dark. It's harder to play by God's rules when you resist accountability, amen? Amen. And choose to play by yourself. It's Hard to play by God's rules when you refuse to repent for your sin. Daniel didn't become strong in the lion's den. Daniel lived a consistent pattern of godliness when he was alone. You may be familiar with the Icelandic strongman Hafthor Bjornsson. He holds the current world record for the standard deadlift at 501 kilos. That is roughly 1,100 pounds. That is the heaviest weight ever lifted off the ground by an individual in sports history. How many of you know that Hafthor didn't just walk up to a barbell after nacho night with his buddies (laughs) and give that a shot? No, he started training at age 17. His workout consists of these exercises, the cable wide grip lap pull down, the seated dumbbell press, the standing external rotation, the overhead log press, the axle press, the dumbbell chest press, the chest supported row, seated cable face pulls. What on earth is a face pull? How many of you say, that sounds painful? I don't know what that is, but that just sounds rough. Tricep pushdown, safety bar squats, the yoke, and the farmer's walk. Here's what he eats. 
Five meals per day, his diet includes flank steak, eggs, oats, beef tenderloin, cod, spinach, almond butter, zucchini, rice berries, and an Icelandic high-protein yogurt called Thor's Skier. Don't you wish your yogurt was called Thor's Skier? That's a manly-sounding yogurt. Amen? Is there such thing as a manly-sounding yogurt? I'm not sure that there is. Thor Skier. He trained consistently and vigorously for years for this feat of strength. See, a prominent myth in the church is that if I put on my Sunday best, and if I, and if I come into this spiritual gymnasium, and if I watch everybody else work out, I'll grow in Christ likeness. It doesn't work that way. You have to put in the discipline yourself. When you're alone. See, as I understand, and when I say work and putting in discipline, know that I'm not talking about works-based righteousness, okay? my assumption would be that we're generally on the same page there. There are no spiritual deadlifting competitions to get into heaven. You truly arrive there, amen, by the unmerited, undeserved, uh, unearned gift of God that is his grace, right? Okay, we did nothing for that. He joyfully gives that to those who are seeking it, confessing sin, believing in their hearts. It's, it's his loving kindness that moves us in that direction. How shocking that God would give up his only boy. Can you believe that? Some of you have boys. His only boy for us to die for you and I. So we can't get to heaven with elbow grease and with grit that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when your heart is warmed up to Jesus, you'll want to be in his presence like Daniel was, alone. And it's in his presence that your spiritual muscles grow. You'll want to read. You'll want to pray. You stop being dragged to church and you start inviting other people to church. You stop listening to ACDC on your way in, right? And you stop preparing yourself, or rather start preparing yourself with worship music and just are eager to get in the presence of God. It's in times of solitude that we gain the strength to stand strong. Do you agree with that today? You don't get it in the moment. You don't get the strength in the lion's den. So let me set the stage for today's story by way of review, in chapter 1, Daniel and his friends were carted off to their homeland, if you're new with us today, in Jerusalem, to the heart of Babylon. This is a different nation. This is a different kingdom. They were offered the best meat, the best fare, the best wine the king had. They rejected it because they said, this looks like, smells like Babylon. And in chapter 3, they were told to bow to this golden statue and the king made this of himself, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. Makes a golden statue of himself and says, bow down. And they say, no, we only bow to the living God. 
we're not going to bow to your statue. And then they were thrown in the fiery furnace and told that they would burn and they did not burn. Didn't even smell like smoke. Chapter four, the king has this dream and he's desirous of a favorable uh, interpretation and Daniel hears from God and Daniel says, King, your future doesn't look too bright. You will roam like the animals of the earth. In chapter 5, your hair will grow, your fingernails will grow, you'll look like a wild man. In chapter 5, King Nebuchadnezzar's son, King Belshazzar, it doesn't get much better for him. He's taken the throne. He's, he decides, this is so foolish, he decides to drink from the gold and silver goblets. We're skipping this chapter, by the way, I'll just tell you quickly, that were taken from Jerusalem's temple where God was worshipped, the father, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. He takes the communion elements, or not the elements, but the, the devices, and he drinks from them in mockery of the God of the Bible. And Daniel, this riddle explainer, this interpreter full of the Holy Spirit, problem solver, he, he looks up and this mysterious hand appears on the wall. It's where we get the saying, the writing is on the wall. And the king says, riddle explainer, what is the hand on the wall writing? It's this creepy happening. In the book, and Daniel looks up and he says, this is what is written on the wall. God has numbered the days of your reign, king, and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales. You've been found wanting. Your kingdom is divided. Notice that word divided. And that very night, that very night, came in the Medes and the Persians, a divided people, Belshazzar was assassinated and he was replaced by a man named Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede, everybody say Darius. Darius. So King Darius now is the third king that Daniel has been in the court of. So Daniel was in the court of two Babylonian kings and now a Mede king. Here he is, Darius, and here's the org chart for Darius' rule. Darius has under him three presidents. Daniel is appointed as the top president of the three. Right underneath, this is executive level leadership, right? Now, can you imagine being a newly conquering pagan king and trusting the guy who worked for the last pagan king and bringing him into your inner circle? This is what he did with Daniel. So apparently, Daniel's reputation preceded him. Then under the three presidents, there were 120 satraps, think security, think folks who are collecting tribute, all kinds of taxation into the king's treasury. These are the direct reports to the three presidents. So presumably each of the presidents may have been responsible for, those of you who are good at math in the room, for about 40 of them, right? Would you stand knowing that? And read with me verses 3 through 5 of Daniel chapter 6. While you're standing, I will tell you, I wish you guys could have been a 
a fly on the wall in the creative department's planning meeting, excuse me, for this very sermon. There was talk, no joke, before we read, of a male lion, having a male lion on campus for this, serv- for this service. How many of you that know that didn't make it past the HR department? <laughs> we canned that idea pretty quickly. Then we thought about bringing in a lion cub for this sermon for the kids. We called around. We could only find tiger cubs, so we thought that would be a little lackluster, and we landed on cool t-shirts. That's what we landed on uh, for the series. So needless to say, it's a very fun place to work. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, ending with verse 5. Are you ready? Say yes. yes. All right, let's read. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You may be seated. Church family, standing strong requires consistency in character. Consistency in character. This is in your worship guide. Our character is demonstrated, certainly, in times of adversity, in times of conflict, in times of pain, but our character is developed by practicing spiritual discipline. By practicing spiritual discipline. Daniel wasn't unreliable. Daniel was trustworthy. Daniel was not corrupt. Daniel was ethical in his government affairs. Daniel wasn't negligent. Daniel was responsible. And you know what? Those character qualities don't grow overnight. They're birthed. They're cultivated in the quiet place. Luke records Jesus as having said, whoever can be trusted with very little, very little, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Daniel's character was without a smudge. And guess what this caused people to do? This caused people to grow jealous, resentful. This caused people to devise schemes. This caused people great wickedness in their minds and hearts. They couldn't beat Daniel. They weren't as smart as Daniel. They may not have been as good-looking as Daniel. Chapter 1 said he was a handsome boy. These were handsome Hebrew boys. They were ripped Hebrew boys. It's why the king picked him after all. 
That's why they wanted to crush him. So here's what they did. They sucked up to King Darius. Have you ever met a suck up? They sucked up to the king. Oh, King Darius, live forever. How many of you would say that sounds like my children? Oh, daddy, you're the best daddy there ever was. Can we play electronics, daddy? Can we have some device time, daddy? Oh, King Darius, live forever. The next thing out of their mouth Everybody agrees. How many, of, how many of you know that means two or three people agreed on something? Everybody agrees. Everybody's doing it, Daddy. Can we? Oh, King, everybody agrees that you ought to make a rule that if anybody prays to anyone other than you, than you, then we should throw them in the lion's den. And then don't you know they gave him like their Sullivan nod with a grin? I was taught waiting tables in grad school that I should give a Sullivan nod. This is something that's been empirically proven to increase sales. So you look at your guest and you say, would you like a salad with that, sir? Would you like a dessert with that, ma'am? They give their Sullivan nod to the king and they say, Make this decree, O king. And King Darius says, Yes. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed. Don't you know he was longing to go home? looking out that window toward Jerusalem, longing to get out of captivity, longing to be with God's people again, thriving. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. He, he gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Church family standing strong requires consistency in prayer. In prayer. Prayer shouldn't just be our reaction to crisis. Prayer should be our daily routine. Prayer should be what happens naturally out of relationship. Daniel didn't go home and do something new when he caught ear of his own, perhaps, death sentence. He simply did what he'd always done. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees to pray. This is personal discipline. He had, as the apostle Paul said, beat his body. He had instituted self-control. He had strength of mind. I mean, if anybody was too busy, wouldn't you say to not pray? It would have been the king's top president, the guy that he planned to set over the whole Kingdom, turn to your neighbor and say, you may be busy. Go ahead. But you ain't Daniel busy. (laughs) Daniel makes time to talk with God. Do you know what other calendar events bowed into submission to Daniel's thrice a day prayer? Every other calendar event. 
every other event was told to get out of the way so that I can be alone with God. And of course, the envious ones were watching. They had posited themselves as private eyes, investigators, and they go running back to the king. Oh, king, oh, king! See, they'd set a trap. Now they're tattling. Oh, king, oh, king, did you not publish? Did you not publish a decree? See, they began baiting the king to respond, not unlike the way the serpent baited Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say, you must not eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden? Did you not publish, O king, a decree that says, during the next 30 days, anybody who prays to any man or God except you, your majesty, that they would be thrown in the lion's den. And King Darius admits, I did, and it's binding. So who did you see praying? And they said, Daniel. You know, we don't talk about this enough, but Daniel and, and the kings that he served had this crazy Babylon kind of holy love for one another. It's remarkable how much they cared about each other. Being from different places, having, having completely different gods. So the king gave the order, I'll show that to you in a moment, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, who you serve, what? Continually. So had the king noticed that he had been serving his God before this moment? Yes, the king had. It wasn't that the king had never seen him pray. Be in God's presence. May he continually rescue you. Church family, standing strong requires consistency in service. Consistency in service. The king says, you're continually serving. May your God rescue you. Serving is the outward expression of the transformation happening within. Many would say they know God, but how many are serving him? The world is not looking for an explanation regarding who Jesus is. The world is looking for a demonstration regarding who Jesus is. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And you know what I've been impressed with at Grace Covenant since I've been here about three months? what I've observed, I've been impressed with all these orange shirts and with all these blue shirts walking around this place. These people are remarkable. All the time and attention they give to detail in service to all of us, security personnel, kitchen staff, coffee folks. Since I've been here, and I've only been here, again, a matter of weeks, really, we've had someone walking into this building with a medical emergency, needing care, just like that. We had a cameraman pass out a few weeks back, and do you know who was on it like white on rice? The security personnel. Those giving attention to everyone's care. They had their heads on a swivel, and they almost caught the camera before it hit the ground. It was that quick. I mean, they responded so fast and took care of it. Pastor Farrell didn't even miss a fill in the blank in your worship guide. He just kept preaching like nothing happened. It was amazing. 
Our greeters are amazing too. In fact, my wife is convinced that Grace Covenant has one of the best greeters there ever was. And the icing on the cake is that his last name is Joy. Yeah. <laughs> now, he's not here today, but he is my racquetball partner, and he told me I could talk about him for a few minutes. My wife, the first time she met Brian Joy, we were riding home in the minivan with the kids, and she just started staring out the window and shaking her head, and she says, I think I just met the friendliest person on planet Earth. <laughs> did you meet him? I said, I did meet him. I said, and you're not going to believe this. At the end of the conversation, he told me he loved me. I said, honey... It took you nine months to tell me what Brian Joy told me in one encounter. Now, if you're visiting with us today, Brian is Southern, and he is genteel, and his face looks like the sun, and he says things like, hey, how are y'all doing today? Welcome to Grace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what was that? Yes, yes, yes. He's just a delightful human being. So here's a scripture of encouragement for those of you like Brian who are serving in the background without being noticed. Are you ready? Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He will love you. The love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them, he won't forget that either. Amen? So a stone was placed over the mouth of the den. By the way, our children's books often illustrate Daniel as a young man. By this time, he'd served three different kings. Scholars tend to think that Daniel was thrown into the lion den not as a 20-something, but as a 70-something or as an 80-something. Now, how many of you say, I was worried about the lions this, all this time? I don't know how he survived that fall. As a 70-something, 80-something-year-old man, that's quite remarkable. And the king seals the stone with his signet ring. The king goes back to the palace. He has grown to love Daniel so much, he can't sleep. He can't listen to music. He can't watch television. Nothing. He's pacing the living room all night long. And he runs the next morning at daylight to the lion's den. The Bible tells us he hurried. He's concerned. Verse 20, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished Voice, that's a painful voice. That means I'm worried ill will has struck you. He yells out in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. He knows who his God is. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the mouths of the lions? And then he listened. And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. Now, do you think that was sarcasm? Sometimes I wonder. He's just signed your death warrant, left you in the lion's den overnight. He says genuinely, may the king live forever. He's got lion's fur all over his clothes. I mean, don't you think Daniel was tempted 
to respond in an alternative manner. Man, you just tried to kill me. He could have yelled out from the belly of that pit, you, you schmuck. What were you thinking? Just look at me now, sucker. I'm taming kitties. I braided this one's mane. It's easy to criticize people. Wouldn't you agree? It's easy to defame a president, a Congress member. It's easy to belittle. It's easy to shame. Daniel humbly says, and with honor, may the king live forever. Verse 22, my God sent his angel, O king, He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Church family, Daniel showed, lastly, consistency in honor. Consistency in honor. When we give all the recognition to God for his handiwork in our lives, this brings him high honor. This points other people to his goodness. Jesus' brother James wrote this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Aren't you glad God doesn't change like the shadows? Psalm 16.2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. See, consistency leads to strength. If God's strength is what you look for only in a time of crisis, you will not find it. you will see failure far too often. But if you gain and cultivate his strength in the quiet place, you'll have it in the time of crisis. In conclusion, I'm gonna give everybody an opportunity to respond in a moment, but before that, I'd like to provide a little addenda to this sermon. Psalm 137 tells us that during the Babylonian captivity, the Israelites would hang their harps on poplar trees by the rivers of Babylon, and the Babylonian captors would approach them and mockingly demand that they play their songs of joy, even though all they could do was weep, because they'd been taken away from home. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. They'd laugh. They'd demand. And the Israelites would reply, how could we? How could we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And I just felt to remind you this morning, glory to God, that the Israelites did not remain in captivity. They got to go home. God's people 
beginning in Cyrus's reign, would make it home by the tens of thousands. Now, I wish I could tell you that the main character in our story made it home too. Scholars tell us that most likely Daniel died in Babylon. He was able to sing. He was able to celebrate with the liberated captives, with his brothers and sisters, but Jerusalem was not in any condition for an 80-something, 90-something man to return there. Remember, it had been neglected for decades. In one of his final visions, Daniel pictures the city of Susa, not a city of Israel, but a city under Babylonian rule. And yet in chapter 12 of this amazing book, listen to these encouraging words from the lips of Daniel. As for you, go your way till the end. I would interject, though this isn't a part of this text, Though you may find yourself still living in Babylon, you will rest. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Church family, in closing, it's likely that we, like Daniel, may never get away from the culture of Babylon. I hate to tell you this. We may or may not ever see a great revival like some of you experienced in the 1970s during the charismatic renewal. We may never return to Mayberry on this earth. I've heard it said, fish swim and sinners sin. And the world may continue to grow darker until the second coming of Jesus. The Bible seems to indicate that it will. But here's what I know. We're in Babylon, but we don't have to be of it. We're people of salt and light. We're men and women of consistent character, prayer, service, honor. And we will rest at the end of the days. And we will rise to receive our allotted inheritance. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song together. This is a new one. I'll tell you, it's even a little strange, to be honest. It kind of has a Babylonian vibe to it. But remember, we're still there. So it's appropriate. I mean, we're all in this tension together. We're, We're saved, but we're not yet saved. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. I mean, this is a strange land. So normally we conclude with a lot of energy. Today we're going to conclude in a reflective, in a resolute way. But in a spiritual sense, here's what we are gonna do. We're going to say goodbye to Babylon. And here's why. Because from an identification standpoint, we don't want anything to do with it. Amen? If it's true that fish swim and sinners sin, we're like fish out of water. We don't belong here. Heaven is our home. So while we're still here, and as the old song says, we will declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So for the last sermon in the series, we're packing up our proverbial bags. And we're going to sing goodbye to Babylon. Jesus has saved us. Jesus has raised us. Jesus has filled us with the Holy Ghost. He has drawn us unto himself. Our children's children shall be free from this garbage. Amen?
even in the middle of a pagan culture. So we're gonna sing about that. Second, I'm gonna invite you to respond, both believers and non-believers. We're gonna give you an opportunity to heed the voice of the Spirit. And third, we're going to pray together. Sing, respond, and pray. Is everybody clear where we're going? Okay. Enjoy this song and be reflective of its truth. Abba, 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 come and take us home. 
in the room and online today, here's my question for you. What area of consistency do you need God to help you with today? Consistency of character, playing by the rules when no one's looking, consistency of prayer, making communing with the Father, Abba Father, the highest priority, consistency of service, getting involved, not living unto yourself, but serving others. Daniel did this for 70 years. And consistency of honor, refusing to take credit for what God has given you and what God has done. If there are any of those areas that you would like development in, character, prayer, service, or honor, would you just stand to your feet this morning? I'd like to pray for you. Character, prayer, service, honor. And here's a second question for those of you who are non-believing. Do you want to return home today? I don't have to explain what prodigal means to you because you grew up hearing the Sunday school lessons. You know that you've ran from God. You know that you have a foot in Babylon and a foot in Jerusalem. Do you want to be freed from captivity today? Do you want to detach from the world today? Do you want to join a new family today? Do you want to start new friendships today? Do you want to change the health of your family tree today so that your children's children love the Lord? Jesus died on a cross for you. He bought you with his blood. You matter to him. You are precious in his sight. He knows you by name. Every hair on your head, he knows by number. He's preparing a home for you. So you don't have to sit with your head in your hands weeping on some riverbank with your instrument hanging up in some tree. You can pull it down and play with joy and sing for perhaps the first time in a long time, Abba, take me home. Abba, be my father. Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm a prodigal no longer. I'm tired of Babylon. I want to know you more, Lord. His forgiveness is available to you today. Do you want to give in to the love of the Father this morning? If that's you, would you also stand today and join the rest of us? Awesome. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just lift up all of those here who are struggling, Lord, with their character. 
Lord, those who find themselves in ethical dilemmas and have chosen to be there, Lord, I pray that you would gift them with holiness. I pray that you would call them out and unto yourself. Father, I pray for those who have never had a dynamic, robust prayer life that maybe they would say, I've never sensed the Lord. I've never felt his nearness or I just cannot commit to a relational time with Jesus. Lord, that you would draw them today that you would help them to experience your nearness in a new and revitalized way. Lord, may they devote a place to you. May they devote a time to you. May they refuse to let anything else on their calendar stand in the way of an appointment with you. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with service and they just maybe warm a pew and go home. God, that they might get plugged in that they might desire to be other-centered as they process their faith in that you came, Lord, not to be served, but to serve. Lord, maybe those who are here who are struggling to show consistency and honor, who are hypercritical, who are always belittling, who have sharp words, who have residue of poison on their lips, Lord, that you would cleanse their hearts for out of it the mouth speaks. Lord, give them holiness, give them sincerity, give them brokenness and humility. And Lord, we pray for those non-believers who are here, Lord, that you would save them, that you would baptize them, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would help them say goodbye to Babylon once and for all, that they would commit to an eternity with you. Lord, you're preparing them a place. Give them strength. Help them to find a quiet time. Help them to get a new circle of friends. Lord, help them to commit to your lordship once and for all in the name of Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.